Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. Listeners, I have an investment opportunity for you. All right, here's the deal, listeners. I have been made emperor of a mid-sized dwarf planet in the asteroid belt. Uh, I was visiting there earlier, and the residents, the aliens of this dwarf planet, uh, I got to know them, and they said, would you like to be our emperor? And I said, sure, that sounds great. Anyways, I'm back here on Earth to ask you to be a part of and invest in my new dwarf planet in the asteroid belt. Uh, If you're worried about what it's going to be like there, if you want to move there, don't worry, it is very, very Earth-like. It has all kinds of things like trees and bears and capybaras and other stuff that we have come to expect from Earth and the native sapient life forms. They are all for us moving there. I think it would be great if we did that. Uh, Obviously, of course, getting this venture off the ground is going to take a fair amount of startup capital. So if you would care to be an investor, get in on the ground floor of this venture, that would be fantastic. What do you say? Listeners, okay, what I just described to you, obviously, it sounds like a scam. And no, I do not have a dwarf planet, as cool as that would be. But a swindle like the one that I just described kind of sort of happened in Scotland in the 1820s. The guy who pulled this off was a man who didn't claim to have a dwarf planet, but he did claim to have a country, a new nation, out in the new world, and it was a man called Gregor MacGregor a British Army veteran who had fought in South and Central America in all kinds of various conflicts. And he, in Scotland, claimed that a local chieftain in what is now Honduras, a chieftain named George Friedrich Augustus I, and that is the guy's Europeanized name, not his actual name name that he had, had granted him land along the Mosquito Coast in what is now Honduras. McGregor, when he's in Scotland, pitching this idea, pitching this investment opportunity to people, didn't just claim to be owner of this new land on the other side of the ocean, which for people in 1820 wouldn't quite be, you know, the equivalent of being in the asteroid belt, but it definitely would be otherworldly to them. He claimed to be a descendant of Rob Roy McGregor. Yes, that Rob Roy, the one with the movie and the cocktail named after him and also the ancestor of various ancient kings of Scotland. And he claimed that this chieftain, George Friedrich Augustus I, uh, had befriended him, had gotten to know him, and made him cacique, or chief, of Poyes, which was the highest type of local authority that he could have over the land. Uh, MacGregor, when he was talking about his country that he claimed to have been made cacique or chief of, he often styled himself in elaborate military uniforms, bedecked with epaulets, tassels, medals, etc., all befitting, it seemed, a guy who had his own country, a new country, looking for investors. Now, at the time, in 1820, several states in Central and South America, they were emerging out of the ruins of the former Spanish Empire. And they were, like a lot of other countries, offering government bonds to potential investors. So the scam that McGregor is pulling, there is some context for it that it doesn't seem weird. Investing in a new up-and-coming Latin American country was something that a lot of people were doing legitimately at the time. Um, 
Also at the time, uh, in the 1820s, the government bonds of Britain and France and, you know, established countries, they were seen as sort of old and boring. Those government bonds, they were low risk, low reward, and very financially conservative. New Latin American bonds and investments, though, those were exciting. They were, you know, potentially high risk and high reward, and they were kind of like new IPOs for tech companies or something like that, that everybody didn't really know about but wanted to get in on the ground floor of. So McGregor, he definitely has a market that's going to be receptive to this new venture, but he is dealing with a fake country, and his competition is real countries. He wants people to invest in his fake country of Poyers, as opposed to real countries like, say, Venezuela or Colombia. So McGregor, in his scam, in his marketing blitz, he needs to make Poyers attractive and competitive, unreasonably appealing. He went on a publicity blitz talking about how Poyers had all kinds of amenities and attractions that would be familiar to Europeans. He described it as being a well-ordered kingdom filled with long paved roads, museums, libraries, cathedrals, and all of that. It would have all of the comforts of Europe. It also, he said, had great weather, it had abundant natural resources, and how abundant? Well, you could just head on over to a stream, and McGregor assured his potential investors that it would be filled with chunks of gold and precious jewels there for the taking. Uh, McGregor made his mythical country of Poyers sound kind of like the wondrous and rich, also mythical country of Prester John, which I talked about back in episode 27. And McGregor, with his fancy uniform with epaulets and medals and all that, uh, he's constantly talking up and promoting Poyers in a variety of ways. For example, he wrote and circulated a fake travel log called Sketch of the Mosquito Coast. This was a book that McGregor wrote himself, but he attributed it to a guy called Thomas Strangeways, which is a great pseudonym, Thomas Strangeways. He had songs written about Poyers. He also had fancy bonds ordered up that were engraved to look all official-like, uh, which bore his signature. His signature was, quote, Gregor I, Sovereign Prince of the Independent State of Poyers and its dependencies, Cazique of the Poyer Nation, etc., 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 unquote. And what about the native population, who might, you know, not be into all this new European settlement and activity? What about the people who actually lived along the Mosquito Coast? Well, again, McGregor, he said that he was deriving his power from a local chieftain who had made him cacique of the area. And he said that the natives, they were huge fans of Europe. Huge fans. They were excited, he said, about the possibility of people coming over from Scotland and mingling above them and teaching them European ways. Uh, here is a bit from Thomas Strangeways, quote-unquote, writings on Poyers. And in it, he talks about how the natives had an anxious desire to learn of European ways. Here's a bit on His Highness's mission to Europe and why he is doing it and why it's going to benefit the people there. Quote, His Highness's present visit to Europe is for the purpose of procuring religious and moral instructors, the implements of husbandry and persons to guide, and it very particularly mentions that no person but the honest and industrious shall find an asylum in the territory. 
by strict adherence to these principles, by a firm and equitable administration of justice to native and settler without respect to persons, and by strictly guarding against and discouraging the introduction of those vicious and immoral habits which are unhappily too prevalent in the West India Islands, His Highness will continue to merit the esteem of his faithful poyers, establish his power on a sure basis, grant every friend to the improvement of the human race, and earn to himself immortal honor. So, what, quote-unquote, Thomas Strangeways, again, McGregor writing under a pseudonym to talk himself up as saying, is that not only is this an investment opportunity, not only is this an up-and-coming Latin American country you can throw your money at, but it's one that's only for the really upstanding, super-moral people who are infused with goodness. And my favorite part of that is the bit where Strangeways takes the jab at the various other colonies in the West Indies for having vicious and immoral habits. Uh, Probably a jab at the Spanish and the English who are elsewhere in the Latin American and Caribbean world right now. So the place seems perfect. It has great weather. Uh, The people there really, really want the Europeans to come and be upstanding religious moral people at them. Uh, There are jewels and gold right there in the streams, supposedly. There's pre-existing stuff like libraries and cathedrals. And for a mere three shillings and three pence, you could have the rights to an acre of land in this brave new world. This all raises the questions of why anyone would fall for this, why anyone would be gullible enough to invest in something so transparently ridiculous. And when I was researching this episode, I found a lot of articles that were making fun of Depoyer's investors and ridiculing them for being taken in and for wishful thinking. But I also found this article from The Economist from a few years ago, and I think it has a pretty good answer for why people piled their money into something that, to an outsider, seems so transparently and utterly a waste of money. The writer says, quote, New research by Tamar Frankel of Boston University suggests some answers. Ms. Frankel studied hundreds of financial cons, looking for recurring patterns. One set that pops up time and time again describes the trait of the victims. They tend to be excessively trusting and have a high risk tolerance, and, especially the more educated victims, have a need to feel exclusive or part of a special group. Other research shows that victims tend to harbor dissatisfaction with their current economic status and desire not to be left behind. Some feel envious of their economic neighbors, which can lead to greedy, risky investing. There are reasons to suspect that McGregor's settlers would have had many of these traits. He targeted those with a natural tendency to trust him. While he raised cash in London, he looked for settlers in Scotland, claiming that hardy and adventurous Highlanders had the skill and character to develop the new land. In fact, he was playing on the unquestioning trust people grant those from their own religious or ethnic group. The Poyer's scheme was an affinity crime because McGregor was one of them, i.e. he was a Scot who was taking advantage of and conning other Scots. And another thing that probably helped out McGregor in this scheme was the memory of Scotland's failed attempt to colonize Panama in the Darien scheme. Uh, For more on that, you can listen to episode 20 of this show, The Lost Empire of Scotland, over on interestingtimespodcast.com. Scotland had attempted a Latin American colony. It did not go well at all. And a lot of what I've read for this episode said that a lot of Scots would have a certain amount of nationalistic resentment about that. So having another go at colonizing Latin America, 
that would have appealed to a lot of people there. Even though, by the 1800s, Scotland had been politically unified with the rest of Britain for some time, so it's not like there weren't Scottish people out there not colonizing things. There were plenty of Scottish people out there in British colonies. But MacGregor's scheme, he would have allowed for a particularly Scottish sphere of influence in Central America. Uh, MacGregor, he amassed about £200,000 worth of investment in his scheme. And in a move that turns this from just a con to a tragedy, also decided to gather colonists for his new country. This is something that I find a little bewildering because McGregor, he could have very, very well just showed up in his fancy uniform, talked about how the Central American chieftain had given him a bunch of land, talked up Poyers and how great it was and how it already had cathedrals and people who lived there that wanted Scots to come. He could have collected a bunch of investment money and skipped town with the cash. He could have probably pulled that off. But he didn't do just that. He also gathered people to go to the Mosquito Coast to attempt to colonize what is now modern-day Honduras. I think that, and this is just my supposition, that McGregor actually really did want to have his own country. Uh, I think that he was deluding other people and lying to other people. I think that he was also lying to himself uh, about what he was doing here. And deep down in his heart of hearts, he probably knew that what he was doing was dishonest. But I think that he also probably had a narrative where he told himself that, yes, he really was the cacique. Yes, there really was a poye. And these people who were about to get on these boats for Central America, they were his people. He gathered up two ships worth of potential Scottish colonists, about 270 people, and they made their way to the Mosquito Coast. Much like the Darien scheme, much like the time when Scotland attempted to colonize Panama, it went badly. Not as badly as the Darien scheme. When Scotland tried to send a bunch of folks to Panama, there was a whole bunch of starvation and malnutrition, and that happens again. But there were also the Spanish, and the Spanish... They killed a whole lot of people in Central America for not being Spanish. By this time, there are no longer roving bands of Spanish conquistadors wandering around killing anyone else who tried to set up a colony. So that's not something that McGregor and his colonists had to worry about. But still, when they got to the Honduran jungle, it was not exactly a picnic. It was not the glittering utopia he had promised. There weren't any wide boulevards, there weren't any libraries, there weren't any cathedrals or rivers with gold and jewels within them. The native people who lived there, they were not hostile to the Scottish, uh, but they weren't exactly helpful either. Uh, it seems that the natives, when the Scottish show up, they were not actually desirous of European stuff or instruction or religion or any of that. They just regarded the two ships full of white people who suddenly appeared on their shores as being kind of a weird curiosity. Uh, some of the settlers thought that they'd made a navigation error and come to the wrong place, and some tried to make a go of colonizing the area for real, and settlers did begin to die from malnutrition and disease. One of the ships, it was eventually destroyed in a storm, and the other ship, having various things to do and trade to see to, ended up sailing away and did that. It got worse and worse and more desperate. These are not people who know the first thing about homesteading or surviving in the tropical jungle. And one man who'd spent his entire life savings on a shot to make it in the new world, 
he ended up killing himself. Eventually, after over a year in the Mosquito Coast jungles, a British ship out of Honduras, it found the settlers and took them home. The authorities, seeing a whole bunch of people had been basically defrauded and just dumped in a jungle, began to spread the word on how investing in McGregor's scheme was kind of a bad deal. Weirdly, though, when a lot of these settlers and would-be investors uh, were taken back to Britain, they refused to believe that they'd been taken. A lot of the survivors of the Poyer's scheme, they claimed that maybe they had done something wrong. Maybe things would have been different had McGregor gone with them and helped them set up Poyer's. And they continued to believe that McGregor was for real, and a lot of the people whom he defrauded and sent to the New World and really victimized, they asked the authorities not to take legal action against him. And that is some serious, culty, scary stuff. This is a Stockholm Syndrome type situation. And it makes me wonder, how charismatic was this guy? How charismatic was Gregor McGregor, the confidence man, who could convince people to give him all his money, get on a boat, go to Central America, watch people die, and then they still like him? So that was Gregor's first attempt to get people to colonize Central America for him. And that was, yes, his first attempt. Despite lots of people dying of disease and malnutrition and suicide, McGregor tried to pull the same stunt again in France. So this time around, he was claiming that Poyers was a republic and that he was, in his splendid uniform with epaulets and medals and all that, uh, merely the head of state. So I guess the scheme was ever so slightly different this time. French passport authorities, they got suspicious about this new country that they'd never heard of, and they looked into it, started poking around, and found out that it never existed in the first place. Uh, McGregor, he was apprehended, uh, he was tried, but he was not convicted of fraud. McGregor ended up escaping punishment for fraud. He eventually moved back to London, and in London, he doesn't quit. He opens up this tiny office where he's attempting to issue bonds for Poyers, and at this point, I'm wondering, why hasn't this guy been successfully arrested? And how is he escaping conviction again and again and again? What makes it even more weird is that apparently other hucksters tried to copy him. Other people who also wanted to cheat people out of their money also claimed to be nobility from this fake Central American country and also said that if you wanted to, you could invest in it. So this scam gets copycats, and it seems to be the Nigerian prince scandal of the 1820s. One guy starts doing it, and then other people, they say, okay, we're just going to do the exact same game, the exact same scam. By the way, Nigeria is a republic. It doesn't have princes. Toward the end of his life, McGregor moved to Venezuela and eventually died in Caracas. And while I was putting this episode together, I was trying to think of equivalencies or things similar to what McGregor was, was trying to do, and I kept thinking about those BS registries that let you supposedly buy or name stars or planetoids or other astronomical features. Uh, there are a lot of them where you could go online, pay them a certain amount of money, and then they'll send you some fancy-looking certificate saying that there is a star named for you or your loved one or your dog or something like that. None of these supposed registries are recognized by any legitimate space agency on the planet. 
they basically sell you nothing except a fancy certificate that says that you, through your purchase, have put your mark on another world. I can see how something like that is a total waste of money, but I can also understand why it would have a certain kind of appeal to a certain type of people. McGregor, he took advantage of his fellow Scots, he took advantage of their feeling left out, and I think he also took advantage of that impulse that a lot of us have to touch a larger world, and I think he might have also been a victim of it himself. He was a huckster and a confidence man, but I think that part of him, when he put on that uniform, when he called himself a cacique, he also really did long to have a bit of land in the new world, and he also really wanted to be something like a king or a chieftain. This is just my imagination, and this is just speculation, but I like to imagine him in that uniform of his, at night, getting out a map of Central America and gazing at the place where his non-existent country would be, and, I'm guessing, feel a kind of longing for an elsewhere that was never satisfied, not for his victims and not for him. If you invest in interesting times, I will not defraud you. I promise. We've got a Patreon campaign. Go to interestingtimespodcast.com, click on Support Interesting Times on Patreon, and you can support us for however much you want every month. And I promise you, I 100% guarantee you, I will not put you on a boat and dump you in a jungle and leave you for malnutrition and disease and suicide. Instead, I'll keep making a podcast about stuff like this. Uh, thank you very much to Indigo Calais for your continued support. Uh, you are awesome. Uh, interesting times. We are recorded at the offices of X-Ray FM 91.1 and 107.1 in Portland, Oregon, engineered by Arthur Rosado. Please do go on iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. Uh, that would be great. Hopefully a positive rating and positive review. We're also on Stitcher. I'm on Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com slash interesting times with Joe Streckert. I'm on Twitter, Tumblr as myself. Uh, all of that. Thank you very much. See you next week. Bye. We all live on the